So I just want to mention one verse today, Ephesians 5:17, as we come together for prayer in the middle of the week. Appreciate your faithfulness to prayer service. Um, sometimes it's sad that prayer service becomes an option with believers. We need to understand how much we need prayer <coughs> and how much we show our real faith through our prayer time. In order for us to pray, we need to understand God's will. Ephesians 5.17 says this, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Two verses before that, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Days are evil. We need to have an understanding for what God's will and God's purpose is. Our um, series in Esther helps us see some of God's purpose, even when it doesn't seem to be apparent in our lives. We know that God is working behind the scenes, and we thank him for that. And that gives us encouragement to keep praying for his purpose and his will. What is God's will? Well, he reveals his overall plan and overall will through his word, and we need to get familiar with that. There are many details that we don't know, particularly how that plays out in our lives. But we can trust God with what we don't know. Think about Esther as she went through um, the different scenarios or different situations in her life. It, it, it reminds us that, yes, we don't know all the twists and turns that come up in our lives. And we don't see how that all accomplishes God's purpose. But we, we, we need to understand God's will. Another part of understanding God's will is the really basic thing is trust that God is good. Trust that God is good and that God takes care of his people. So his will is good for us, even if we go through difficult times. And so I just want to remind you with that, and I'm going to dr leave things, turn things over to Brian, who will lead us in our regular uh, meditation time. And saints. in the book of Hebrews is now may the God of peace who brought uh, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever amen I appeal to you brothers bear with my word of exhortation for I've written to you briefly you should know that our brother Timothy has been released with whom I shall see you if he comes soon read all your leaders and all the saints those who come from Italy send you greetings grace be with all of you He starts off the end and he says, Now may the God of peace. When we talk about peace in the scripture, we could be meaning two things. One is eternal peace, then there's external peace. External peace is be free from conflict, right? So I'm at peace with you when you and I are not in conflict with each other. We're not wrestling with each other. 
interesting that as God is called a God of peace, as I've been studying through for our Thursday night Bible study, we're about to get to this section where Jacob wrestles with God. And so if God is a God of peace, why does Jacob have to wrestle with him? And that's an important thought. Think about this. There's a famous book on war, and it said, war is just like wrestling. You try to push the enemy to do your will. And Jacob was wrestling with God. Now, after he got done wrestling with God, he was not cursed, he was blessed. So now we have to ask ourselves, how could he be wrestling with God and then be blessed? What did his wrestling with God mean? Does it mean something for us today? Do we wrestle with God from time to time? But God is a God of peace. He's also called a man of war. Is it a contradiction to be a God of war and a God of peace? What do we need to achieve to have peace? And what makes peace stable? They always say there's no peace in the Middle East. Why is there no peace in the Middle East? People have a sinful nature. What did you say? They don't know the Prince of Peace, but then James said even Christians fight. Why do wars and fights come among you? Are we not trusting? Are we not trusting? Okay, what do passions and preferences have to do with war? I like the color blue, you like the color red. Would we fight about that? We might. Why? Yeah, we don't, it's not about, I don't think, here's the thing. Let's say me and my wife, we fight about some beans in the house. Okay? Most arguments in the family are silly arguments like that, right? You argue about beans. You argue about a couch cushion. You argue about a fork that's left on the table. And these can turn into heated arguments. How can you argue, have a heated argument about a fork? Okay, but let's talk about it a little bit more deeply. Are they really arguing about the fork? Okay, that's what we mean, right? They're not really arguing about the fork. The fork is just an opportunity to argue about what they've been arguing about, right? Okay. War inside leads to war outside. Okay. We want to have our way. All right. So that's we're getting to it. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. That's very true. So let's talk about this. We've, we've talked about a few things here. There's war on the inside, which leads to war on the outside, right? What is the war on the inside? Spirit in the flesh? Our own sinful desires? Right? Here's the thing I think we could maybe put it Maybe this might be too blunt to say, but we want to be God. Okay? We want to be gods. When we have conflicts, right, we want to be gods. And what that means is we want people to do our will. We want people to obey our will. We want reality to obey our will. Right? If I drive down, the, if I'm getting late to work, I want there to magically be a time warp to move my car to work. I'm kind of mad that it's not. I want to be able to shape reality to my desires. Right? I might have a gray hair. I'm mad at that gray hair. Why? Because I can't control my body to the point of that it's aging. Right? We want to be gods. Many people want to be gods. All of us, in some degree, want to be gods. In our relationship, we want our partner to serve us. We want to be gods. That is the central problem. For there to be peace, though, there can only be one God. There's always chaos when there's more than one God. So if you look at ancient Israel, one thing people often mistake, they say things like, why did ancient Israel have to do all these wars and all this stuff? Well, think of it another way. Who was the God of those other nations? Demons, right? They serve demons. All of them have their own gods. And there's always going to be conflict when people have different gods. People talk about religion as the source of all wars. I agree with them, but not the way that they think. They think that if atheism was to persist over the whole world, there would be no war. That's nonsense, though, because an atheist can still have a God, too. He can have the God of himself. He can have the God of his own intelligence. He can have the God of what he wants to buy. He can have the God of what he wants to look at. We all want to be gods. That causes conflict because then we run into somebody else who also wants to be God. We have a domain by which we battle, and that is our desires. I want this. You want that. Only one of us can have the way we want. Therefore, we have to fight. And then we fight. But how does God establish peace? What did you say? He makes himself God, right? He makes himself God. He says, I am God alone. And that establishes peace. That's the basis of peace. When God is God alone, 
we stop wanting things that are outside of God. Aaron talked about Thanksgiving. What is Thanksgiving? I believe that Thanksgiving is the acceptance that God is in control and that that is good. Yep. Look at the so look at the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, God made laws, but what did they want to do? They wanted to be like God. Ultimately, all sin is a desire to be like God. And so we have these strong desires. We want to be gods. We come into conflict. When we let God be God, when we submit to God as the only God, therein is the key to peace. So then if we have one God on the inside, we can have peace on the inside. And if God establishes his kingdom on the outside, we can have peace on the outside. God is a God of peace because he does not allow and he will not long allow evil to reign with him. And that's why he's a God of war in some ways, but ultimately inside he's a God of peace. The war comes when evil conflicts with good. Peace is so important. I'm looking and thinking about my mom and my sister. Um, they run into a lot of people who don't have peace inside. How many of you guys can sometimes just look in people's eyes and just tell that they don't have peace? It's, it's, a, it's a sad thing when you see people, they can't even sleep. Ecclesiastes talk about that. They can't even sleep and wake up and be, t and be rested because they don't have any peace says the sleep of a good man is good because he enjoys his labor but the peace of a rich man is not why what did they have to do with being rich it simply has to do with he has too many things he wants to be God over that's why it's easier for a poor man to enter the kingdom of heaven not because it's more holy to be good to be poor but simply because he has less things he even believes he can be God over it's easier for him to submit to God because he only got one dollar. It's harder to submit to God when you got a billion dollars. So let's close with that. Our meditation on God being a God of peace. And then I also put forward a prayer request. Just be praying for me as I um, search God's word and prepare the sermon for this week. That's the hardest part is to figure out what to preach on. So be praying for me in that, in my meditation. All right. Love this. Uh, I was just, while Brian was talking about that, you know, when you're up next, you always got to have something profound to say. <laughs> and I never... I never come up with <laughs> But I did come up with this. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about, I remember teaching this years ago, it, it, it was talks about one body, and it talked about if you were here and it, you were missing, you wouldn't be what the foot was. So I'm looking out here at a bunch of ears and feet and hands and eyes and stuff. But no, what I really wanted to say tonight, I'm, I always try to be funny, but what I, what I really want to say tonight, I want to thank God for, uh, a Pastor mentioned it on, on Sunday, we have been donated a van, 
I'm going to uh, Friday, I'm going to have the paperwork signed over. And uh, the lady's just trying to drive her gas tank, a uh, gas out. But uh, I wanted to, I don't know, I wanted to show the picture. It's not, it's not much, but pastor told me it's better than the one we had. <laughs> I, I was trying to explain to pastor, and he said it's better than the one we got. So this is the van. So what I wanted to pray for tonight, what I wanted to pray for tonight is thank God. God always has to show himself big with us. And I, as I look out, you know, we, we're, we're a small group of people, faithful people. That's all God asks for is faithfulness. But I wanted to pray for, the lady's name is Maxine Sylvanus. I wanted to pray for Maxine. Maxine is in her 80s. Her husband, Joe, passed away. Um, and it just, the Lord just laid it on my heart to ask her, what is she going to do with that van? And she decided to give it to us. So I want to pray for Maxine. And I want to pray for the van ministry. Um, you know, we can start thinking about the use of it. I think Sunday, I think we have four or five men from the mission signed up to come. And that would take three carloads for us if we didn't, you know, have the van. So I don't know if it'll be here Sunday, but Friday I'm going to uh, go see about it. So uh, I want to pray for the van ministry. The administrate, go ahead. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. So let me tell you, you know, I came home one night, and it wasn't in this right spot. I was like, now she told me we can have that van. How am I going to go back and tell the church that we ain't getting the van? Well, she parked it in her garage because she was driving it. She said, Cliff, I'm driving it because there was a full tank of gas. I wanted to drive my gas out. So I said, man, I've been talking about the van. Now i got to go back and say, well, folks, the lady changed her mind. But she didn't. So uh, like I said, I'm off Friday. Um, I'm going to go transfer it over. So I want to pray for the administrative part of it, the paperwork, the insurance, you know, all, what, what all that's going to take. We're, we're new to it. We don't know what, what all it will need. But uh Friday, I'm, I'm going to take care of it. So I want to pray for Maxine Sylvanus is her name. I want to pray for the van ministry and the administrative part of it, you know, insurance, paperwork, and all of that. And we had some ideas about storage. Dale mentioned that we, um, we would be, maybe be able to utilize the, the, the Milwaukee Rescue Mission lot. Jackie and Mac offered their, one of their five garages. And so uh, <laughs> God is good. So let's, can I get a volunteer to pray for Maxine? Donna, who can pray for the van ministry, I would call it? Bill, and then if we can pray for the administrative part, the paperwork, the insurance, and, and all of that. Just one more. Uh, Nick, you look, there we go. All right. If we could just pray. Yes. Heavenly Father, you gave us this van for your purpose, for your needs. Lord, we pray that you would bring people to the Lord. Father, we pray that you would make people to the Lord. 
Lawrence, it's your turn to think of something profound now. It gets harder the more people are up here. All right, good evening. <clears throat> All right, I want to share something with you guys. We are going through, we had a discussion, I should say, yesterday about the sovereignty of God. It was very interesting. There was a lot of uh, passionate arguments on both sides of the argument. Um, but we were watching a, a, at the rescue mission. The, the, I teach on Tuesday nights. And so we were going through... Uh, a sermon by John MacArthur where he was explaining Romans 9, 10, and 11 and talking about the sovereignty of God, um, man's responsibility within witnessing, even though we know about election and things like that. But one of the things that stood out to me the most and that people were kind of tripping over was verse, verse 1 and 2 in chapter 9. It says this, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. And I've read that verse many, many times, many, many times, and I was like, okay, you know, he's, he's got this, this burden for people. But John MacArthur said a little bit differently than I've ever taken it. Like, he had the burden to the point where he was saying, if I could take their place, I would. No? And that's true. But I'm not saying that he was preaching the doctrine that you can do that. But his burden was so great that he said, if I could take on the punishment for somebody else, I desire to see people come to righteousness so much that if I could take that on for them, and he said that burden spur, should spur people to go out and seek more people so that they don't have to go through that. And I had never thought about it that way. Like when we go out and we witness and stuff, and I'm, I'm telling people about God, but I never thought about it that that passion has to be there to that degree in order for us to really desire to see people come to know the Lord. Because I can have a surface level knowledge of what it means to witness to people, but when I understand that the heart behind it is so fueled with that much passion that you're saying I, I would take the place of another person if it meant that they did not have to suffer the consequences of hell. And I don't know, that just struck me because I was like, man, I have not been witnessing with the heart that I should have, the desire and the passion I should have to see people come to know the Lord. So if you can keep that in your prayers, because like I said, they're, they're kind of going through this discussion now about sovereignty because they get it in a doctrines class that um, the men go through. And so naturally what they do is they come from class and they start asking us questions. And they go to me, and they go to Cliff, and they go to Dell, and they go to KB, and then they go to Pastor Bland, and just kind of see are all of our doctrines lining up. So I thought that was pretty good, too, because they're making sure that we're all of one accord. Yep. Yep, and like I said, I don't know. I don't know, for some reason I've read this many times and it, it didn't hit me that way until he phrased it in that manner. And I was just like, man, that is amazing to see the pattern of um, witnessing and, and desire for people to come to the Lord that we have to live up to. Um, so, yeah, let's keep that in prayer as our ministry team goes out and witness on Saturdays 
that that desire shows forth to the people and they can know that we earnestly desire to see them come to know the Lord. Um, the other thing that if we could keep up in prayer is that some of the conversations coming around sovereignty are going to be difficult to understand conversations. So if you can pray for those of us who will be having those conversations, that one, we make sure that we understand what it is that we're saying and we're not just giving answers for the sake of giving answers, but that we truly have a thorough understanding of the sovereignty of God and the doctrine behind that so that we can point them to the truth scripturally and not based off of opinion or something else we've heard. So, prayer requests. Let's take some prayer requests.